Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. August 14th of 2003 started out like any other day. But by late afternoon, a chunk of the country, including Metro Detroit, had descended into chaos. The first thing that I thought about was... And this is a couple years after the terrorist attacks. I was like, they got us again. It was obviously panic. On the 20th anniversary of the Great Blackout of 2003, do you remember where you were? This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. On this day in 2003, power grids across the American Midwest and Northeast along with parts of Canada, went down completely. And what ensued was one of the biggest blackouts in world history. It affected about 55 million people in two countries. Over 2 million people were impacted in Michigan. And if you lived in Metro Detroit at the time, you likely remember exactly where you were when the power went out. Happened around 4 in the afternoon. Do you remember where you were, what you were doing? I do remember where I was and what I was doing. I was 11 years old. It was summer. It was August. It was hot. Uh, and we had a pool in the backyard, thankfully. So I was floating about on a raft. And when I went to go inside drenching to go to the bathroom and just create a mess, uh, there was no lights. And that's where I realized there was a power outage. Did not realize how extreme it would be. So I just went back in the pool. I was in Roseville. And I remember like us trying to figure out what to do. We had to go to Cracker Barrel for dinner because Cracker Barrel were the ones with the generators. Let me tell you, you want to know where the generators were? They were at Cracker Barrel. Uh, and we went like three times. That right there is the familiar voice of my colleague, Julia. She hosts the morning show on Alt 98.7 here in Detroit. Julia was just a kid when this went down. But Detroit historian and journalist Ken Coleman was all grown up by then. But he says it was just as weird for him. I just left a television thing. I was driving home during the four o'clock hour. And when I approached our parking structure for our apartment, the arm that lets you in, I'd noticed that it wasn't going up. And so I parked on the street. And as I parked the street in downtown Detroit, I noticed that people seemed to be leaving their businesses. Like, wow, that's kind of strange and, and odd. And so I rolled down my windows, very warm day. I remember people saying, power's out. The first thing that I thought about was, and this is a couple years after the terrorist attacks, I was like, they got us again. You know, it was obviously panic happening. 
we lived on the 24th floor of a high-rise apartment, and I remember having to walk up this sort of higher state set of stairs. What Ken just said right there is really important. This was less than two years after 9-11, and the internet had not yet come to your cell phone. So quick information was tough to come by, which is part of why this sticks with so many people. It was really scary. But Julia says there's another reason it sticks. It is a common shared experience, and I think it's something that everybody forgets about, but it was so monumental because it lasted for so long. And it was the early 2000s, and nobody had a generator at that time, I feel like. You talk about the time in which it was, too. I think a lot about technology. We didn't know. We didn't know what was going on. We couldn't whip our phone out and look. We were all just kind of looking at each other going. And I think that's why I bring it up so much is because there was nothing to, like, Nobody makes memes about it. You know what I mean? And every devastating thing that happened, you know, from a small scale to a large scale, people will make memes about. And that is an unmemeable event, which is upsetting to me. The current world in which we live can feel extremely polarizing at times. And that's for obvious reasons. Ken says the blackout was a shared experience that brought us together. For what it's worth, the feeling of national unity was still strong in the immediate post-9-11 world. It was a shared moment for a lot of people in the area. It's this odd thing that binds people together, even if only for a couple of days. There's no doubt about it. My father-in-law often said, hey, listen, I've got all of this chicken and ribs and beef. It's going to be spoiled. I'm putting together an impromptu cookout. (laughs) And we made lemonade out of it because that meat was going to spoil. We just had a big cookout and had a great time. I think it did bring people together. I think it did cause people to sort of consider how vulnerable we can be at times. We're dependent on energy. Even in the most powerful nation in the world, we realize that we too can be vulnerable. Ken and Julia, they weren't working at the time the power went out. What was it like to work in a place where power is a must? Like, say, a hospital. Dr. Roy Elrod was practicing emergency medicine in Detroit at the time. Now he's the chief of staff at Detroit Receiving Hospital. Can you tell me what happens when a hospital loses power? I know there's a generator, at least I think there is, but I don't know how fast it kicks in. And look, you know this better than anybody. There are some people that are in incredibly touch-and-go moments in the hospital. I wonder what that looks like. Yeah, so, you know, we're very fortunate that one of the process in designing the hospitals, we consider making sure people that may be in critical situations in an operating room or on ventilators, that we do have backup power. So the generators generally kick in, and they'll kick in within about 10 seconds, usually, they're designed to. And so... That allows no break in surgeries and people that are on life-saving equipment. However, in most of the other acute care areas, it's designed to make sure we have special outlets that we can plug into that will work off the power generator. And so patients still will come in, people that need delivery babies, and so we have to be prepared. When the name Kwame Kilpatrick is brought up, usually the conversation that follows is that of regret or what could have been. Usually, not always. But Ken says this was a shining moment for Kwame, who had just taken office. He held a news conference outside of police headquarters 
I believe it was that evening. And city government did the best job that it could to, first of all, relay calm. And this is a couple of years after 9-11. The early minutes of this created a lot of panic. A lot of people, at least in my sphere, thought we were maybe being a victim of a terrorist attack against the nation. I remember there was a Washington Post piece after the event that praised Kilpatrick's uh, leadership. What did we learn from all of this? I reached out to DTE to ask them, but they declined to comment. So I don't know what our utility learned, if anything. To be clear, they didn't cause the outage. But still, it would have been nice to hear from them. Though not all is lost. Ken says there are several takeaways. The lessons learned from it, the grid or series of grids that power our nation are very vulnerable. And as a government reporter, what I'm interested in writing about is, you know, will this happen again because of the vulnerability of our grid system, or the age of it, or the lack of investment. Looking back 20 years later, we need to find a way as a nation to better fortify our infrastructure in that regard. Life can be funny sometimes. Technology is great. But as Dr. Elrod says, it's not perfect. At the time of the blackout, Detroit Receiving had not fully transitioned to digital record-keeping, which at the time came in really handy. With technology and advances, you know, there's some blessings and then some of the things you have to deal with. And so you're right. At that time, it was just the early beginnings of transitioning from paper charting to electronic medical records. And so now that we look back, we say, man, it wasn't so bad because we were still using paper. So when power went out, it didn't impact our ability to still do a lot of charting and put in orders. But now everything's, is, for the most part, electronic. And so when power goes down, it's interesting, you know, because we always was a little resistant, like we all, for all change, you know, we don't want to go. Paper is fun. And then now that we do electronic charting and it's so much more accurate, so much more efficient, now when an outage goes out, man, you know, you get a little bit more panicky, but we've got things in place. Almost we go back to paper, if you will, to ensure that we can still cover and care for patients. I do remember where I was, riding my bike up and down Van Dyke and Romeo. I was old enough to drive, but the traffic on the two-lane road was jammed because everybody in town was trying to get gas. My memory is terrible, but I remember that moment vividly. You can read more to learn what happened and why it happened, But for me, this episode is about the power of a shared experience bringing folks together. Today's big thanks goes out to Ken Coleman, Dr. Roy Elrod, and Julia for sharing their insight. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do you want the Daily J delivered right to you? Well, all you have to do is text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. Message and data rates may apply. I'm Zach Clark, and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is kind. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. 
Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.